Welcome to the Liberty Block. This is Alu Axelman here with a good friend and awesome guest, Aaron Day. Now, Aaron Day is running for president of the United States. And my only big question for him that our listeners and readers will want to know is why is someone so smart and so pro-liberty doing something so uh, not smart and anti-liberty, like wanting to go to D.C. for federal office? Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Ellie. Uh, what do I call you now? Actually, I, that's how long it's been. So is it's, Ali... Ali, it's been my nickname forever, but yeah. Okay. All right. So that, that's how long it's been. Well, the, the answer is, um, how does New Hampshire remain independent if we have World War III? What happens if central bank digital currency is implemented? Already, 31.5% of New Hampshire's budget comes from the federal government. That's increasing. Just today, I saw that Jeb Bradley has put forward a bill to make Obamacare Medicaid expansion permanent. So when this was launched in 2013, it was originally only eligible to 50,000 people. Less than a decade later, there are 94,000 people on just Medicaid expansion, almost a quarter of a million people on Medicaid, and over half of New Hampshire is on Medicaid, Medicare, or veterans benefits, meaning we are on the path to universal health care and we are completely tethered to the federal government. Okay. I think I have a few questions because I know you're the Medicaid expert. Um, the increasing people on uh, Medicaid, is that because they're expanding to include people who make also a higher income? Um, it's it just more, more people are eligible based on what, whatever the criteria are. And they lied when they said originally it was only going to be contained to 50,000. The numbers grew way out of control, which I projected, wrote about, talked about, debated at the time. And lo and behold, here we are. So this is kind of the inevitable plan. The plan was always for this to be the case. When Jeb Bradley pushed this 10 years ago, he knew this was going to happen. And here we are. And for those who don't know, Jeb Bradley is the Republican and the president of the New Hampshire Senate. Yes. Yes. And uh, and he did this at the direction of John H. Sununu. There's a long, sordid history on this. I was very engaged in this in 2013 when I was chair of the Republican Liberty Caucus. In fact, this is we were laser focused specifically on this issue. So we I actually recruited 12 people to run for state Senate. We did everything that we could to block this. And I later found that the reason that the Republicans pushed Obamacare Medicaid expansion in 2013 was because John H. Sununu and others felt that was necessary for Senator Kelly Ayotte to retain her seat in the U.S. Senate. So literally, as I've been saying to you and to a lot of people for a long time, New Hampshire is run from the top down. We can want it to be grassroots. We can think that it's grassroots. We can be all excited about what we can do at the state house. The truth of the matter is the money and the power comes from Washington, D.C. Still does. And that was a perfect example of it. And now we're dealing with the ramifications of it 10 years later. And one more thing to clarify, we said around a third or maybe more closer to a half even of the money in the, the state budget, which is $6.5 billion a year, going up to maybe 7 or $7.5 billion a year, uh, which, you know, with inflation, that's that's not that big. Um, that the third of the money coming from D.C., does that mean that D.C. is giving Sununu the money for the state? Or does that mean that D.C. is sending money to people in the state via Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security and other federal 
entitlements and welfare. Well, it, it comes into us and then, and then we distribute it. In fact, one of the thing, the unique things about the fraud of Medicaid is something called the Medicaid enhancement tax. So we all like to celebrate the New Hampshire advantage. We all like to talk about we have no state income tax. We have no state sales tax. But did you know we have a 5.5% tax on all medical care? I don't think I knew that, no. No, you didn't. And that, this is one of the scams. This is one of the things when people talk about New Hampshire being fiscally conservative, it, we're not. There's something called the Medicaid enhancement tax. And in fact, in 2019, it was increased. It used to be a 5.5% tax just on patient services. It was expanded to be a 5.5% tax on all hospital revenue from all sources. This now, is, is this like a corporate tax that, that the hospital pays or that the patient pays? This is a tax that, well, the hospital pays, but of course, like all tax. So, so yes, you don't it get rolls a line down until it is cooked into the bill. Yeah, you don't get a line item on the bill. There are a lot of taxes like that, like gas and everything else, where you don't get to see it. It's not a line item. And the whole boy, payroll side of the income tax, the payroll tax. It, it, yeah. So, so, so five and a half percent. Now it gets worse. I'm not done with this. The five and a half percent. They then take and they get matching funds from the federal government. They take some of the matching funds from the federal government and put it into the general fund. And then they take some of the funds and give it back to the hospitals to cover what's called uncompensated care. So if you look at this from the perspective of financial incentives, we need people utilizing healthcare services and utilizing hospitals to, quote, keep our budget going at the state level and for the general fund. Because this is a federal matching funds. Okay. Because it's federal matching funds. And so this is something that that came up when John H. Sununu was chief of staff for George H.W. Bush. This is how long ago this goes back. Judd Gregg was governor. That's when this initial Medicaid enhancement tax scam was implemented. And we've been using it to fraudulently piece together our budget without anybody really knowing or understanding it all the way back from the early 1990s. Why is nobody yelling and screaming about this besides for you? There are fiscal conservatives in New Hampshire. There are fiscal conservatives in New Hampshire, but people don't, it's, it's complicated. And I wrote a, I, you know, I, and and to be honest, you wrote an article years ago, and we published it on Liberty Block Medicine. Yes, yes, and it explains it very well. It it does, and and I, when I was chair of the RLCNH, I went across the state to town and county Republican meetings, getting resolutions signed, many of them unanimous in opposition to expanding Obamacare Medicaid. So it's, I'm not the only one acknowledging this. In fact, in 2013. The number one issue for the Republican Party in the platform was stopping Obamacare. So knowing that this is the number one thing in the platform, knowing that everybody that I talked to in the Republican Party coming off of the 2012 election, everybody was concerned about stopping Obamacare. I thought to myself, well, what is going on? Why are they still pushing this? And so one thing you will find about me, one thing you probably already know about me, I won't stop until I find the answer. Mm -hmm. I won't accept what somebody says as an answer just because they say it. I will keep digging and digging and digging. And I un and what I uncovered was what I put in that article. So I'm like going back and looking at C-SPAN commentary and transcripts from the 1990s. I, you know, I, I did real uh, kind of research on this, looking at sources. And, and well, who does that? The union leader doesn't do that kind of research. WMUR doesn't do that kind of research. You have to know enough about the topic to even know where to look. So when and you I made a chart, you made it as simple as can be. 
I tried and I'm going to try to make it more. I'm going to put out a tweet stream. I am running for president, but this issue still, when I saw this today, I'm like, okay, here we are, right? Republican majorities across the board. Everybody said, this is going to be a dream situation. We have all these Liberty people in, we have the executive council, we have the Senate, we have the house, we have the governors. This is great. And what is one of the top first things that we're doing? We're cementing a multi-billion dollar entitlement and we're giving up more control to the federal government. I, I, I you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I did write about this and there, there have been some people that have been retweeting and agreeing with this that are actually state reps. When this passes, this will negate every other piece of pro-liberty legislation that we pass. This is larger in scale and scope than everything else combined from the standpoint of the financial impact on the state and the loss of control to the federal government. And it's all done under Republicans. When you go to state legislators, the good ones, the libertarians in the House and Senate, and you say this, what do they say? They say, we can't do it. It's too hard. It's not politically feasible. We barely have a majority. So they say you're crazy conspiracy theorist insurrectionist like Alu. What do they say to you? I don't, I'm not going to them. I'm running for president. So I went through this process before, right? And and let me explain what happened. I recruited 12 people to run for state Senate. We got a couple people in, including Kevin Avard, right? Uh, and we ended up reauthorizing Medicaid expansion because of, and these were determining votes to free staters who had been elected as Dems that decided they'd rather go along with the Democrat party on this so that they can get their pet legislation passed. So to be even more clear about how absolutely stupid this is, in order to get a bill to a study committee on decriminalizing sex work, Somebody voted for Medicaid. It was the decisive vote in expanding Obamacare Medicaid expansion. Now, their pet bill went nowhere. It was dead. And now we are sunk with a multi-billion dollar entitlement we will never get rid of. So I, I and I and listen, I've been vocal about this and people didn't like it. People don't like when I'm vocal about this. But I came here to achieve liberty in my lifetime, not to achieve the appearance of liberty in our lifetime. And that means sometimes you have to stand up on the things that are hard, on the things that people think you can't do anything about. Now, I haven't talked to the people in the House. I'm sure I expect that the, the hardcore people that we know that are liberty are going to vote against this. It, in 2013, it was never really about the House. Well, it was about the House, but the big issue was the Senate. And because we didn't even have control of the House in 2013, I believe the Dems had control. I don't even remember the dynamics. The issue was we had 13 uh, Republicans and 11 Democrats in the Senate. And I was scratching my head on how is it possible that the Republicans are leading this cause? Why are the Republicans the source of this? So I spent all my time on the Senate. We were only able to get five votes. And I will tell you, I think the Senate is is probably more uh, I, I, I'll, uh, you know, I'll check, I'll spend some, some time on this, but, I, but the fact that the Senate voted unanimously for Jeb Bradley and the fact that Jeb Bradley's number one issue has been Medicaid expansion for over a decade leads me to think that there's not going to be a lot of support in the Senate. And one thing you learn about the state Senate, it operates like a cult. They are all about voting as a block. They are all about unity and they are all about loyalty to people over principle. And this is a, this is like indoctrinated in the way that the organization works. It's indoctrinated in the way that they raise money. 
for the state Senate candidates. And by the way, one of the largest donors, at least it was either this cycle or the previous cycle was Pfizer to, to New Hampshire state Republican Senate candidates. I'll put that one out there to, I'm sure we'll cycle back to that at some point. So this is, so this is the real issue. So the real issue is if you can't, if you can't stop it in the Senate, we don't have the votes in the House, right? I mean, I know we, the good people that we have in the House are going to do the right thing, and they actually can't stop it. So what, right? does, it's all, what does a fix look like? What is a bill that you want to see go through New Hampshire right now? Well, we should we should end Medicaid expansion, and we should have free markets in healthcare. From a fundamental conceptual level, we should have free markets. And, and the effects of this Medicaid expansion have been much worse than just we've expanded to the federal government. We were going to have several years ago, over a decade ago, Cancer Treatment Centers of America wanted to come in here. We've had innovative alternatives and organizations that wanted to come in here, and they were turned down because of the certificate of need. They were turned down for other reasons. But those reasons at the end were related to the financing of the state budget through this hospital system and through Medicaid, the Medicaid enhancement tax and Medicaid expansion. And so this has been a real issue. So we don't have, I mean, you're in this field, our healthcare system is horrible. I mean, you look at this right now, we have one hospital under investigation by the Boston Globe for malpractice issues. And the fact that I guess there was a cardiovascular surgeon that has the, the worst mortality rate in the country, or at least that was what was alleged by the by the Boston Globe Spotlight Group that's doing an in-depth analysis. We don't have a lot of competition here from any outside sources, and we have more hospitals merging, and it, it's it's becoming more single-payer-like every single day. And a lot of the reason behind that is because legislatively, because of the way we have this financed, there's no opportunity for free market alternatives. And so- well, We obviously want- free market and less certificate of need and all that stuff, unless regulation and taxes and everything. Um, but I guess the question is, we know the principle stands, we both support liberty and totally free markets, but what would be a practical bill that could get around 50% votes in the House and Senate? Um, what would be something practical to roll back Medicaid expansion? Does that mean roll it back to where it was a few decades ago and you'd like to eliminate the tax and that might be reasonable in a state like New Hampshire? What, well, well, what no, it's, it's, well, you have to understand, all I'm talking about here, what happened in 2013, was. I mean, I'm not saying in the extreme thing, which well, actually I would be ultimately I'd be saying we shouldn't have Medicare, Medicaid and all these other things. But what happened in 2013 was an explicit expansion of Medicaid under Obamacare. OK, so so this was so in other words, we as Republicans, we expanded Obamacare under a provision of Obamacare that allowed for the expansion of Medicaid. We then have to reauthorize that, which we have done several times. We authorized it for two years, then we authorized it for another two years, then we've authorized it for another five years. It's now up for reauthorization. So in terms of what I'm saying to you is we should simply not reauthorize Obamacare okay. Medicaid expansion. That is a very clear, I'm not talking, this isn't complicated legislation. I'm saying we shouldn't have expanded Obamacare Medicaid expansion. It has to be renewed. Let's look at it. It's almost doubled in size. It hasn't hit any of the, it's it's out of control, just like I predicted it would be. Let's, re, let's not reauthorize it. What is Jeb Bradley trying to do? He's trying to pass a bill to make it permanent so that there, it doesn't even have to come up for reauthorization ever again. So, wow. okay. so this shouldn't even be controversial. With Republican majorities across the board, the idea of not re 
authorizing and extending Obamacare Medicaid expansion should not be controversial. Do you have the bill number yet? I don't have the bill number yet. I I, I think the thing I just saw from Kevin Landrigan, I saw it on the tweet this morning and it got me all fired up about about Jeb trying to make it permanent. Not that I'm surprised. Um, but 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 remember what I did in 2013 when I found out that John H. Nunu and others were that the, the rationale for doing this, because, again, if the number one thing in the party platform is we're not going to expand Obamacare and the main thing that they do is expand Obamacare, I keep on digging. Why are they doing this? They're doing this to protect Kelly. So what did I say? If you screw up our state. If you expand an entitlement that people don't want, if you expand Obamacare against the party platform, then I will run as an independent and I will make sure Kelly Ayotte loses that race. As you know, I did that. It was successful and it cost the Republicans control of the United States Senate for the last two years, which I said in a Breitbart article in 2015, that was what I intended to do. I met with everybody about this. Frank Edelblue knew, Jennifer Horn, who was the chair of the, I didn't just do this. I, I gave people a year of advance notice. I called Jeb on his cell phone and talked to him about it. I talked to Chris Sununu directly about it. Craig Benson, everybody was aware of what I was going to do. Jennifer Horn said, oh, you'll never do it. You won't actually follow through. Nobody will listen to you and it'll never be successful. And, you know, whatever. But other people listened to it and I don't think they knew what to make of it. I obviously did it. I followed through. And this may be one of the reasons it's hard for Republicans to pick up federal seats, because it, it turns out that it is that razor thin. It's pretty easy to manipulate a federal election here. And Republicans um, always think that if they act more like Democrats, they are going to do really well and everyone's going to love them. But Democrats still don't love them. And the conservatives, which is the base of the Republican Party, stop supporting them and they lose. We've seen this a million times. Yes, we've seen it a million times. So all so my plea was don't expand Obamacare as Republicans. They did it anyway. And now they want to make it permanent. And we have complete majorities. This thing that everybody says, oh, well, we've been working towards this. We're working incrementally. We've been working incrementally towards this. And now when you have that opportunity, you are failing in the biggest possible way. So I've already I've already exploded the nuclear option. I've I've already done as nuclear option as you can do about this. And and the thing is, most of the people that I know in the Senate and everything else will say, well, we really can't stop this, or Jeb will offer them a committee, or they'll get their pet bill passed or moved, and and people trade that off. And now here we are. This is how you end up with the medical tyranny we had in 2020. Don't think this isn't related to the funding of the healthcare system, the need for COVID money for the hospitals, because if the hospitals had gone under, because I mean, there were serious issues about there. There's always issues about financial sol solvency of hospitals. It's not a particularly great business model in general. But when COVID happened, you, we were looking at a wave of hospital bankruptcies so that if they didn't get that money from COVID, and a lot of the extra perks that they got for putting people on ventilators and diagnosing COVID and everything else, you would have actually seen bankruptcies in the healthcare sector. When you know that the state budget is in part funded based on a tax from the hospital, then the state has to prop up and do everything they can to keep the hospital system going. And so this is how we end up with medical tyranny. Um, I mean, this, so this is a fundamental issue. This affects everybody in New Hampshire. This affects the health and the wealth of everybody in the state. This is not a minor issue. This is a, a significant issue. So, I, you know, I'm going to I'll spend some time on it. I'm, I'm running for president because, believe it or not, we have bigger threats even than that. As bad as Medicaid expansion is and as bad as 
moving towards single payer and giving up control to the state through the healthcare apparatus is, we also have central bank digital currency looming, which when that is implemented, basically Americans are going to be stripped of, of all of their freedom because their money will become immediately censorable. So once you have a digital currency, they'll implement a social credit system. And then all of a sudden, if they don't like what you post on Facebook, if you don't take the vaccine, participate in the vaccine passport, what have you, they'll literally strip strip out your money. Oh, we're never going to have social credit scores here in the United States. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. Wait, what's that? They're telling me that we already have an ESG score, that we already have these scores for banks and maybe individuals in the United States. Well, they've started to implement that and look at East Palestine in Ohio. They've implemented, they're implementing digital IDs and tracking based on the fallout of the uh, of the train wreck. So they're already implementing that. And by the way, they've already pilot, they're piloting a central bank digital currency in the United States Yeah, that now. was a few months ago already. Yeah. That, that started in December. I think there are 17 countries or right now it's seven countries that have already implemented central bank digital currencies. Most are planning on it. Um, and China is the test case. One of the big issues that I see politically, and this is one of the reasons that I'm running, uh, it, Biden and the Democrats are globalists. They want to see one world government. They I, Biden is selling our sovereignty to the highest, highest bidder right now. The pictures yesterday of him hugging Zelensky and everything else, clearly he's spending time in Ukraine and he's not spending time in Ohio. Right. We, th- there is a move towards global globalism in within the Democrat Party as it is. Trump, on the other hand, has this view of China is the enemy, Russia is the enemy. And what people are not focusing on the fact is that the globalists have infiltrated both the Republican and the Democrat Party. And this is this is already ongoing. The Democrat is obvious, but it's also happened within the Republican Party as well. I just saw this Vivek guy who who announced that he's running yesterday. I don't know if you saw this uh, new new Republican entrant. I, I, into the, it seems like he's been running for a while. Yeah, he's been running for a while. He wrote some anti-woke book. So I did a little bit of research on him. He was a World Economic Forum uh, young leader, and he was a Soros uh, a Soros Foundation person as well. He was he, he, he was involved with that. And he pushed the vaccines. His background is in biotech. I mean, this guy is right out of central casting, right? And then you have Nikki Haley, former UN, uh, also globalist, big, you know, backer of the military industrial complex. So, I mean, if you look at the people that are surrounding this race uh, at this point, who's going to keep us out of World War III? We don't have anti-war candidates anymore. Everybody's on board with the let's just go ahead and jump. Let's expand NATO. Let's make NATO the one world military force. Let's do central bank digital currency. Let's expand the UN. Let's expand the uh, IMF and the Bank of International Settlements. So if we don't stop this by 2030, we're going to be living in absolute tyranny. And that affects everybody in New Hampshire because New Hampshire isn't going to be immune from a nuclear weapon. And we're not going to be immune from CBDC unless we do something significantly more than we're doing right now, which seems to be continuing to cede more control to the federal government through things like Obamacare Medicaid expansion. Yeah. And by the way, the Liberty Block podcast being the best Liberty podcast in the world, maybe the best overall podcast in the world weekly, the Wednesday weekly show, 4 p.m. right now as we're filming this, they're doing the conservatarian exchange. Um, and we have an awesome panelist of conservatives, libertarians, and voluntarists. And and Ed Maslish, our, our attorney, our uh, legal correspondent, has been 
warning, yelling about the CBDC as one of the biggest threats for years now, for a year or two, saying it's coming and it's going to be a very, very big blow to privacy and liberty. So we've been talking about it for a while. I, I actually want to have you back because we did most of the show on Metascam, which is awesome, the Medicaid and all that effed up stuff. And I'm going to link the article. Let's have a, definitely another show soon um, with you talking about CBDC and currency. And maybe, I guess you can decide if you want to do another one with just about the peace and anti-war, anti-terrestrialism, because you're right. You might be the only candidate. Um, there might be other Republican candidates who are pretty anti-war, but you might be the only one on that stage if it's you and Trump and maybe DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Um, I heard Tim Scott's also going to run from South Carolina and Vivek Ramaswamy. If you're the only one being anti-war, that could be great to have like a Ron Paul kind of message there of just saying simple things like maybe let's not kill people and spend trillions, um, 31 trillion or 2 trillion on an F-35 and waste money. Um, so that could be interesting as well. And I, I also, I want to hear, going back to Metascam, the, the Medicaid expansion stuff, what would they say if you're on the stage tomorrow night with the other 10 contenders in the Republican primary, and you mention the Medicaid expansion and how it's really Republicans, if you're going to be honest, it's Republicans pushing it, what would they say? What Would they support it or what? Well, I probably, I probably wouldn't talk about it on a presidential stage. In fact, normally I, I spent most of the time not talking about the presidential race because I, I got set off this morning when I saw that Jeb was trying to make this permanent. So I don't even know to what extent this is going to be an issue, because I think by the time there are presidential debates and this is because, look, if you go to my day 2024.com website and you look at it, people are going to look at it and say, this guy's nuts. He's out there. Uh, I understand that. That's what you're going to say now. That's not what you're going to say nine months from now. So we're still over a year away from presidential debates in the primaries, right? We're probably nine months away from the debates. Realistically, right. nobody cares about the presidential race right now. You, you have a lot of, you know, you have some stuff going on, but but people, I mean, I've done a lot of robocalling in New Hampshire in primaries. 70% of the people aren't decided until the last week anyway. So like we are so far away from this being in people's minds. So I'm glad we can do a series of these over time, because honestly, whatever we talk about today, people aren't really going to be thinking about from the presidential race. And you said you're writing books and I love books. So I'm writing I'm writing four books. I'm writing one on on CBDC and sound money. I'm writing one on health freedom and also medical tyranny. So it's both sides of kind of truth and transformation. So with each of these books, I'm talking about what what's really going on and then how we we the people can fix it. And, yeah, I've started to read that book and my, my wife is reading that book as well. Um, I'm writing a book on unplugging from the matrix. So what we can do to get out of mainstream media, big tech, and the indoctrination centers that are public schools. And then the last one is kind of exposing gov government corruption from the perspective of what can we, the people do, because obviously reporting the criminals to themselves isn't going to work when the judicial system itself is corrupt. So we need a platform for kind of crowdsourcing whistleblowing activity. Yeah. What's the, what's the timeline on the first book being published? The first book is we're looking at four to six weeks. So that's that's I've been in, in the process. I'm actually writing them kind of I've got a process going for each, but that one's going to be probably a month or so. Uh, that's the first and the most the most important one, because I truly believe in, and it's, as you said, the the Liberty Block, the other the, the gentleman you mentioned on, on that central bank digital currency is the biggest threat. And if that gets implemented, literally, it's over because we saw how people complied with COVID. Once there is complete digital control over your money and it can be censored, it's over because most people aren't going to be willing to stand up to that. Now, I've, I'm completely out of fiat and I'm I'm 100 percent into into crypto and not very many people are in that position. But I, I, I've part of why I came to the conclusion to run and my concern about CBDC came from watching what's going on 
with the regulation of crypto between what the SEC is doing and everything else, plus this accelerated time frame of the adoption of CBDC. Those two things together are setting off alarm bells for me. And so it is time to kind of warn, we have to warn people. This yeah, is, that, this is that's not what I was going to say, because you sound like almost as much of a pessimist as that Alu Axelman dude from Liberty Block. But if I could give you some optimism, I think the fact that they're, they've launched two massive attacks, both in New Hampshire, by the way, that one of the biggest attacks civil and one of the biggest attacks criminal against cryptocurrency operations and people who use it, with Jeremy Kaufman, LBRY, one of the biggest cryptocurrency blockchain run video, and, and Ian Freeman, the Crypto6, um, a criminal federal trial that they convicted him of. Wouldn't you say that means we're over the target and they are scared? Well, we're over the target, but the question is, do we cower or do we fight? Which is why I'm running because we need to aggregate people to fight this. Because on the flip side, what's going on is crypto adoption is down and you're actually seeing all of this restriction going on. So yeah, we're over the target. They're fighting us, but are we are we laying down or are we doubling down? That's the question. And what I'm saying is I'm all, we have to be all in as if free will depends on it because it does. And that's, that's kind of where the battle lines are drawn. So Nikki Haley comes out and announces she's running for president. And her two big issues are we need to have mental competency tests for people over the age of 75. And we need to be talking about term limits. Meanwhile, we have globalists that would like to completely and totally control all of our actions and behaviors through digital money. And we're on the verge of World War Three. So term limits is her big issue. That this is what she came out with. This was her whole. I, this I hate politics, and you know, obviously, what you're going to see with me, I'm you're going to get authentically me, and I'm going to be saying exactly what I think. There's no pull testing this. I'm doing this because out of concern, I've got 12 year old twins, and after the, this medical tyranny and everything that's gone on, I'm looking at this as a hail mary. If we don't put everything in to stopping this, then everything that we've been doing. In New Hampshire, everything that we've been doing in general is is at risk. And it and I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm trying to be like motivational because it's not a, a foregone conclusion that we lose if we organize and if we acknowledge it. But what we can't do, as you said at the outset, well, why would you do a stupid thing like go to Washington, D.C.? If we ignore Washington, D.C. and we ignore globalism and we ignore what's going on, we're going to get wiped out. So we just need to change our thinking. Anything is possible. And if we if, if we actually direct some of our attention towards the fact that, yeah, these global things exist, nuclear war is possible and complete tyranny is possible coming from a centralized source. And we're seeing it in our state with Obamacare Medicaid expansion. Let's identify those things. Let's acknowledge that we have a problem. And if we acknowledge it, then we can actually start working on it. And mass noncompliance by the way, is the way we're going to solve it. It's not, I'm no, I'm not the hero here who's going to go into Washington, D.C. and solve things. The way we're going to solve CBDC is by getting people onboarded to self-custody crypto, gold, and silver. The way we're going to stop med medical tyranny is by getting people to stop, to, to stand up and say, I'm not taking your vaccines. I'm not wearing your masks. The way we're going to stop big tech is to start using library instead of YouTube. The way we're going to stop indoctrination, indoctrinating our kids in our schools is to stop, pull our kids out of schools. And we need to stop watching mainstream media and we need to start exposing the government and treating people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden as heroes and not criminals. Those are things that we can do, we the people can do, but 
we need to stand up and do it. And so much of what I get demoralized about is when I see people idolize somebody like Trump, or they sit here and say, I'm waiting for a religious figure to come down and solve all of our problems, or QAnon is going to fix it. There's going to be some magical, you know, military intelligence apparatus is going to come in and hold military tribunals. No, we have to fix our problems. And we, the people, have all of the power. That is the main message of my campaign. Fantastically said. So about your campaign, is there a website yet that people can go to? Yeah, there's a website, day2024.com. I lay out my vision for this. I, I talk about the four areas, the books that I'm writing, the website tools that are going to go along with that, what my my process is, what my platform is. I'm also accepting donations. And, and of course, it, it wouldn't be me if I wasn't taking crypto as well. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm taking currently uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, BSV, Litecoin, and um, I missed something. But and Raven you accept Coin, fiat I, US dollars, but I'll forgive you I, for that. Yeah, yeah, I accept, I accept fiat too. But but uh, yeah, no, the website is up. This is a real campaign. And just because I'm sure there's the minute I, I've been gone for four years and then all of a sudden it's like I'm running for president. So I'm sure people are like, oh God, what's he doing now? And there's the eye roll and everything else. When I ran in 2016, it was a protest vote. I didn't even put together a website. There was no plan. I was there explicitly as a protest vote. This I'm actually running, and you can see at day2024.com why I'm running. There's no hidden agenda. It, there's a, I, I, I'm pretty uh, out there explicitly with what my positions are, and they're certainly not mainstream positions, but they're necessary. Yeah, excellent. I, so I got to fly in a minute, and Zoom's going to kick me off apparently. Um, but thank you so much. And I'm going to put the website and your article and everything else that we talked about in the show notes. And please come back soon to talk about the CBDC and the rampant interventionism in every country around the world by the military, because it gets crazier by the day. It's yes, totally it does. Effect, you might say. Well, hopefully we're not. But hopefully we're not in World War Three by the time we have our round two here. Yeah, well, if I'm in my bunker, I can still do the show. My Wi-Fi reaches down into my bunker. So yep. that could work. Um, right. Yeah. So, so check out day day2024.com and I'll link it in the description. Check out libertyblock.com for more. Thank you so much, Aaron. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye.